This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we have the great privilege this weekend of hearing Jesus' most magnificent parable. The greatest story ever told. The tale of the prodigal son. Now I know we've all heard this story many times, but we're still, perhaps despite ourselves, moved by it, drawn into its power. Why should this be so? I think it's because it speaks so eloquently of who God is and how we get into right relationship to him. As I've been saying throughout Lent, both these themes are on display. Who is God? What's the right idea of God? And then secondly, how do we get in our right relation to him? It's important to attend to the opening lines of this passage before Jesus gets to the parable itself. We hear that tax collectors and sinners were drawing close to Jesus and that Pharisees and scribes were complaining about this. Now keep those two groups in mind. Jesus had, we know, a magnetic power, especially for those who felt excluded from the love of God. But he also stirred up resentment, precisely by the very graciousness of his style. The parable we're going to hear is a portrait of Jesus and of these two groups. In other words, it's a portrait of divine love And two typical responses to it. The response of the sinner and of the self-righteously religious. Let's look now at the younger son who symbolizes the sinner, the one in open rebellion against God. The younger son egregiously insults his father. How? by demanding his inheritance immediately. Maybe it doesn't strike us as so negative, but boy, it would have struck a first century listener to this story. In asking for his inheritance now, the son is basically telling his father, I wish you were dead. You'd get your inheritance when the father dies, so to ask for it right now is basically to say, I wish you were dead. You can hardly imagine a worse way to insult your father than that. Well, the father, oblivious to the insult, gives the boy exactly what he wants. The spiritual symbolism here is quite exact. Many of us, listen now, want the gifts of God. We want existence, life, success, health, love, but without a relationship to the giver. We want those gifts, but on our own terms. We want to make them our own possession. That's why it's so powerful when the younger son says, 
give me my share of the inheritance coming to me. The Greek used there for inheritance is ousia. It means substance in a more philosophical way, but it also means money. The money that I can have and put in my pocket. You see what he's doing? He's taking the gift of the Father and turning it into his own possession. Give me my share coming to me. Three times he says, me, me, me. But see, this will never work spiritually. For these gifts, they come from a giver. They come from a transcendent source. When we wander away from that source, refusing to acknowledge it, the gifts dry up. As I've argued before, the divine life only exists in gift form. See, God is the one who gives. And that's precisely why the younger son wanders in to what the Greek calls the Kora Makra. We say in our translation, into a distant country, but that's not what the Greek really means. It means the great emptiness. The great emptiness. That's exactly where you wander when you wander away from the source. We hear that he squandered his wealth. Well, see, the goods that you have from God, when they're divorced from any relationship to the source, they will dry up. There's a basic principle of spiritual physics. Take that to the bank. Believe me, trust me on that. When you grab the gifts of God, but you divorce them from the source, they will dry up. The parable lays this declension out very laconically. Listen. A severe famine struck that country. He hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to tend the swine. What an insult for a Jew, by the way. He longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed. In other words, he'd become himself a pig. But no one gave him anything. How beautiful. He's in the Kora Makra, the great empty place. But more to it, a famine breaks out. That's spiritual language about how we dry up and become lifeless when divorced from God. In fact, we become less than human. One of the keys, friends, is that little line at the end of this section. But no one gave him anything. What land has he wandered into? The land of calculation, of contract, of tit for tat. I'll give you something, you give me something back. But it's not the land of graciousness, of gratuitous giving. Ah, that's where his father lived. That's his father's country. Having hit bottom, he decides to return home. So it goes, and this is good news with many sinners. Maybe many listening to me right now are finding yourself in this place. You think you've entered the high life, but divorced from God, you've dried up. Maybe you've been down that road for a long time, the path of self-indulgence. 
Perhaps you've reached bottom, like the prodigal son. Talk to anybody who's in a serious addiction to drink or sex or money or power. That's exactly the land they wander into, and they will inevitably hit bottom. Notice too, please, the young man has to decide to return. God is love right through. God is gracious love, that's true. But this God, precisely because he's gracious love, always respects our freedom. See, because without freedom, our lives wouldn't really be ours. God doesn't want puppets. He wants friends. And so we have to muster the courage and the energy to turn back. It's decisive, absolutely indispensable in this process that you've got to muster the freedom and the courage, the energy to turn back. But here's the thing. Grace floods in the moment this happens. Because all this time, the father's been waiting and watching. And the moment he sees his son, he runs. Of course, how embarrassing that was. An older man in in this Jewish culture would sit and people would come to him. For the old man to run was embarrassing. But so are God, full of grace. He embraces the young man, puts the ring on his finger and the robe on him. God is lavish in his love. He wants to bring us back into the circle of grace. And this grace is, above all, joyful. It involves celebration. Listen, I've come that you might have joy and that your joy might be complete. That's what Jesus says. That's the attitude of the Father. He gives and gives and gives. All he wants is for us to receive that grace and then become ourselves a conduit of it. That's what God wants. But as the party gets underway, the older brother, we hear, is out in the field. Remember now the two audiences that Jesus is addressing. This brother represents the scribes and the Pharisees. He has stayed, in one sense, close to the father. He's not like his brother demanded his inheritance now. He's not like his brother wandered far away. But, but, his attitude reveals that he's very far indeed spiritually from his father. He might be close to him physically, but he hasn't gotten him at all. He broods with anger and resentment at the party thrown for this wastrel brother of his. So, just as the father went out to meet the younger boy, so he goes out to meet the elder. But listen to the older brother speak. It gives away the whole game. Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. See how little he understands his father. Slaving and obeying are not the responses of one who has fallen in love. He's not caught the father's effervescent generosity, but rather he construes their relationship as one of contract, calculation, slaving, working, obeying. This is the religious person who is no fun at all. I think you know who I'm talking about. 
This is the Puritan, the censorious critic, the self-righteous Pharisee, the one who's always sensitive to the illegitimate rewards that other people are getting, the one who calculates and measures and weighs. That's the older brother. But listen to the father. My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. Now there is the language of grace. If only the brother can hear it. Take the gifts I want you to have. Let them surge through you and become gifts for others. And then you'll be ready to join the celebration. Friends, here's the question. Good Lenten question. Which brother are you? Most likely, we fall into one or other of the categories. Which brother are you? Let this story wash over you. Move into the dynamics of the story. Identify where you are spiritually. Are you ready to enter in to the rhythm of grace? Are you ready to respond to this Father who wants nothing more than for you to be fully alive? If you are, you'll become a saint. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.